Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. Children, he wouldn't notice it this morning. Uh, last Sunday morning, I had children all over the place, a lot of people out today, and but a lot of people here as well. And the Lord's been so good to us and given us several new families that have children, and uh, most of all of us have raised children. But I want to take this little thought and run with it for just a little while and see uh, what the Lord might lead us to on the matter of train up a child, train up a child. I don't know if there's been an hour that the message would be more relevant than this day and hour. I've watched a lot of changes in my 46, 47 years in the ministry, 48, I don't, I don't know, I, I need to add it up again. It's been a while since I've done that. I know they're celebrating the 45th anniversary of Lakeland Baptist Church today. We started that church 45 years ago. So I know I've been, I've been in ministry at least that long. And so, uh, but I want to think about it and I hope you'll just Kind of bear with me. I want to try to help us, and for you parents that have small children, uh, and for others as well, maybe it'll be a help to us. And you know, if, if if it's not needed in your life, just kind of bear with us for a little while this morning, and uh, humorous if nothing else. Uh, and uh, let's look at what God has to say about training up a child. Training up a child. I want to. Look at the verse. He said in verse number 6, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. Brother Harrelson preached a great message from here earlier this year. I heard part of it uh, in the uh, challenge during our impact basketball one Saturday morning, and then another time he, I believe, preached from here on the subject. Great message, and I praise the Lord for that. I want to look at uh, these thoughts and uh, we'll just go through some of the verses and look at uh, what's going on here. Solomon is addressing this matter and these matters that are given to us in the 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs from three perspectives. Uh, first of all, he's looking at it as a son. Secondly, he's looking at these matters in relationships to being a father. And then finally, as a grandfather. And so he's kind of looking through the time of his life when he was a little boy, when he became a man and a father, and then when he became a grandfather. And so we can see very quickly that this matter of training up children, it's a lifetime event. It's not anything that you're done with when they turn 18 years old or when they go off to college or anything, when they get married or anything along that line. But it's a matter of training for a lifetime. He gives us some very practical perspectives in this passage of Scripture. Uh, all of them are scriptural, and all of them are spiritual. And uh, then they become not only scriptural and spiritual, but they become very practical in nature when it comes to training up a child, training up a child. And so I want to be encouraging to you this morning, you moms and dads that have little children in, in the household, and uh, maybe there are some areas... Uh, one day, if not yet, there's some areas that you'll struggle with. And so hopefully we'll be able to share something with you that might help you through those challenging times. And I really believe that these times that we're living in are more difficult than when uh, I was, when Sister Debbie and I, when we were raising our little children. And uh, these are very difficult times to raise a child and to train up a child. And so I think that we need uh, God's uh, God's help in this matter, and, uh, and so maybe, maybe as we look through some of these things that you'll glean at least one or two things, and we, we'll have the notes for you tonight if you'd like to have them and uh, make them available to you. Just some of the things that's, that I've been thinking about over the last little while, last several days. First of all, I want you to look at some, some verses that parents should consider. Go back to chapter number 20. And in verse number 11, let's just look at a 
few verses just to kind of jump off the springboard here for just a moment. In chapter number 20 and verse number 11, and I'd like for you to look in your Bible. I know it's convenient to look on the screen, but you may want to at least circle the verses. Uh, we look at about five additional verses. He said in verse number 11, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work is pure and whether it be right. And then look in chapter number 22 and at verse number 15 on beyond where we were uh, in our text verse, chapter number 22 and verse number 15, if you want to mark this, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Now, I know there's going to be some debate when I get through this morning, and you'll probably go home and have some discussion over the matter as far as uh, this matter of discipline in children. Uh, I, you don't have to agree with me. If you want to argue with the Bible, that's your business. And, and I know that and, and this is a very touchy subject. And when it comes to uh, that part of uh, correcting a child, and we'll look at it from a Bible perspective here in just a few moments. I'm here to help. I'm not here to hurt. I'm like that waiter that came out, a waiter out in Texas, uh, came out into the, came out uh, into the restaurant, and uh, he was holding a plate with his left hand, and on, and, and a steak was on the plate, and he had his right hand on top of the steak, and so he was bringing the steak out to uh, give it to the people that had ordered it. And when he got to the table, the gentleman spoke up, as you would say, what in the world are you doing with your hand on my steak? He said, sir, he said, I'm not trying to hurt your steak. I'm just trying to keep it from falling on the floor again. <laughs> so I'm not trying to hurt you this morning. I just don't want you to fall on the floor again, okay? And we can all learn. We all can learn lessons from this matter of uh, child training, and, uh, and, and it goes right on up through the teen years and so on and so forth. And so let's look and see what God's Word has to say. Then in chapter number 23... The Bible said in verse number 13, and I should put down 14 as well, Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Verse number 14, Thou shalt beat him with a rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. We're not going to look at these verses in detail uh, this morning. Chapter number 23, in, uh, verse number, in verse number 24, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. And he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy in him. Look in chapter number 29, in uh, verse number 15. Chapter number 29, in verse number 15, the Bible said, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Now that's just, just a few of the verses. Over 2,100 times children are mentioned in the scripture. I left out the word times there. Uh, it's I blame it on Putin. Everything else is blamed on him. But uh, over 2,100 times in the Scripture, children are mentioned. Sometimes it's God's children. Uh, sometimes it's your children. Sometimes it's my children. And sometimes it's even the children of Satan. 2,100 times. The first mention, and I'm going to go through this quickly. The first mention is in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 16. In sorrow thou shalt bring <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> forth children. And the Bible, <coughs> and I know what he's speaking about here, and of course the, the, uh, the birth and the sorrow and all the trouble and all those kind of things, but it almost alludes to the idea uh, that we find elsewhere in the Scripture when the Bible implies that uh, we should... When they come into the world, uh, that's when we should be sorrowful. And when they leave the world, that's when we should rejoice. Uh, the last mention is found in Revelation 21, 12. Again, I'm moving on quickly. I got a lot to cover. Uh, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. And so in the first book of the Bible, we have children mentioned. And in the last book of the Bible, we have God's children are mentioned. The most important verse in my perspective is in Psalms 127 in verse number 3. Psalms 127 in verse number 3. Lo, children are an heritage or a possession of the Lord. You've got to get that, ladies and gentlemen. You've got to understand from the onset that our, those little babies and those children, those teenagers that God has placed within our care, they are His possession. They're his possession. And then he goes on. And the fruit of the womb 
is his reward. That's his, that's his, uh, his pleasure. The pleasure, it pleases God uh, when we have children in our home. And by the way, he's, uh, the, the, word, uh, uh, the word reward there is not only a pleasure, but it's also like a payment. It's like a payment. And so if we raise our children in a godly fashion, then it pleases the Lord. And the Lord is pleased when little children are exposed to Him and the things of God and the Word of God and as God's children. And it's sad today, it's sad today that there's so many children that are in the world today that, are, that have never had the privilege and the opportunity to be in a Sunday school class, to be in a junior church, to be in a Christian day school, uh, to be in a Christian home, uh, to go to vacation Bible school. Millions upon millions have never had that. But it pleases the Lord when children that are His are exposed to His precious Word. Now, let me say this. There's a couple of other things that I want to make, some things that we should consider, and then I'll get right into the three points this morning. There are more than 73 million children in America, in the United States of America. 73 million, and for the most part, the majority of them are under five years old. And uh, when I read that, there are more than 73 million children and every one of them fall into that verse that we read from Proverbs 22 and verse number 6 when it said, train up uh, a child. Train up a child. Every one of those 73 million children in America are a child in the eyes of God. And he desires that they be trained. Now, obviously, we can't train all of them. You can't, I can't, our church can't. And uh, with all the grandmas and grandpas and everybody else around, we can't train them all. But we can do our dead level best to make sure that those that are within our little community, those that kind of are encompassed by the ministry of Victory Baptist Church, whether in this message this morning, this lesson, our study today isn't just for mama and daddy. It's not just for, you know, the Burns and, and the Moons and all of those of you that have young children in here this morning, but it's for every single one of us. If you're a Sunday school teacher, if you work if you're a teacher, if you, if you work where children are, or you are where children are, one of these 73 million becomes something or someone that you can train in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now, let me move on. Uh, some, uh, and I was just thinking and typing at the same time, uh, some do not have a house, others do not have a home, many do not have a house or a home. Many are raised by a single parent. The traditional family this day and hour is a rare commodity. Today we have families that are subnormal, we have them that are normal, and then now we have families that are abnormal. Those that are subnormal, and, and, it's, and it's saddening to think about how many uh, the percentage, 60, 70% now, of the boys and girls in America are being raised either by a subnormal home or an abnormal family. They're being raised by a mama or a daddy. And uh, then the normal family, the normal setting for the Word of God is to have mama and daddy. And then now there are families that have two daddies or two mamas and there's some that even have multiple parents. And so on the one hand, we have these subnormal families. In the middle, we have the normal families, like I was raised in. And, um, and I'm not being critical here, but uh, I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I don't want your stake to fall on the floor again. Then we have all these abnormal families. Abnormal families. Abnormal families. I'm not preaching about that this morning. I'm preaching about training up a child. Others are often raised by their grandparents or family members. In our little school here of less than 40 students a couple of years ago, over one-fourth of our student body, was, they were being raised by their grandparents. It's not, a, it's not a strange matter. And so now we have all of these people who are becoming those involved that are with the training of these 73 million boys and girls. And then I want to say, I want to say this, that parenting is the most important job 
in your life. If you bring a child into this world, the most important job that you have until the day that you leave this world is bringing up that child, training up that child. It's more important than your vocation. It's more important than your career. It's more important than all of the all of the toys and all of the recreation and all the things that we can do and that we do. The most important job and task in your life, mama and daddy, is to train up a child. Is to train up your child. Now, that's something. Um, and so it's the most important job in the world. Look what happens. Look with me in the book of Proverbs again. And we won't have to go out here unless maybe one place in a little bit. Uh, look what happens as a result of an unparented generation. Look in Proverbs chapter number 30 for just a moment. The 30th chapter of the book of Proverbs. And the Bible reads this way. This is what happens. This is what's happened over the last 50 years in America. Uh, maybe 60 years in America, we have an unparented generation of young people. They were not trained in the way that they should go. And look what has happened. It said in verse number 11, there's a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There's a generation, an unparented generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There's a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth as knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, and the needy from among men. The horse leech hath two daughters crying, Give me, or give, give. There are three things that never are never satisfied. Four things say not, it is enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, the fire that saith not, it is enough. In verse number 17, the eye that mocketh his father. Have you ever, have you ever seen that happen? I know you have. Maybe when you were... Uh, correcting your child. I, I never tried it. I, I never tried it to mama. I never tried it to daddy. But I, I just can't imagine sitting there in my mom and dad's trying to address a situation in my life and me doing something like this. Hmm. I would have probably had trouble opening and closing them for a little while because they'd been so black and blue. No, I'm just kidding. But to make a point. A generation that has been without parents. A generation of the, of the uh, 70s and the 80s and the 90s and 2000 and, and on. And so this generation, he said, the eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. And so we have... This, uh, sadly, <clears throat> this, the results that come from an unparented generation. And I only look for it to get worse. Only look for it to get worse. This is a sad time. Sad time. Now, here's some questions that a parent should ask. And this is what I want to get to quickly this morning. Here's, here's, some, uh, here's some things that came to my mind. And I was just uh, mulling over this idea of train up a child. Um, how can I train my children to mind without losing my mind? We've been there. Uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think so now to look at Tracy and Marie, these two darlings. You, you wouldn't think that there was ever a moment of frustration in the ward's house and that, you know, they're, they're so perfect and, you know, they're, they're you know, everything about them and, and uh, wasn't always that way. They were even being raised in a preacher's home. We, we found out that they were, for the most part, just like all the other kids. <laughs> <You know. clears throat> 
They didn't get called to the ministry. They got called, they got brought into a family where the daddy was a pastor. And, uh, and you live in kind of a, uh, you know, kind of a fishbowl and kind of a glass house when you're the pastor. And so, you know, everything is expected. And so sometimes pastor parents, uh, sometimes, you know, they're a little bit harder on their children because of peers and all those kind of things. And uh, I never got really involved with that. Never, all I wanted to do was raise my children in the way that they might follow the Lord. That's all I was ever interested in. I wasn't worried about what the deacons thought or, or the elders thought or, or the, uh, the ministerial association. But I wanted to do my best, and I made so many mistakes. So many mistakes. How can I train my child to mind? I, and that's really where it all begins. And that's probably the, the biggest battle that you face as a parent. And that's the one that you'll face early on, and you'll face it on and on. Can I say that again? You'll face it early on, and you'll face it on and on. Why, why, why does the Bible say, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Because God knew. And so the challenge is for the child to obey, the challenge is for the parent to train, and it begins with the mindset. How can I train my child to mind? How can I train them? Well, here's some popular methods. Uh, here, and, and I see these, and I've and I probably tried a few of them. And, uh, and some of them work, and some of them are good from time to time. What about timeout? Timeout. Usually the reason for the timeout is not the child, it's the parent. The frustration has, has so swollen that and uh, you're at your wit's end and you're just about to lose your mind trying to get them to mind I know two different words. I'm just kind of playing around with that a little bit. How can I do it? Take a time out. Let's take a time out. <clears throat> what about this one? Put them to bed without supper. Boy, that'll teach them something. About the only thing they'll learn is they'll go to bed hungry. And uh, maybe, the, maybe, maybe there's a little... Anecdotal, uh, anecdotal information there. Maybe they'll understand a little bit about how most of the world lives. Most children go to bed hungry every night. Maybe they'll learn that lesson. I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe some persuasion. Send them to bed without supper. Here's another popular one, and I don't even know. Scream at them loudly. Raise your voice above their voice. And... And the louder they get, the louder you get. I said it years ago and I'll say it again. You don't steer your car by blowing the horn and you don't train your children by hollering at them. It feels good though, doesn't it? You, know, you just kind of feel like, ah, I've accomplished something. I'm, you know, I, we've proven that you know, our vocal cords are more mature than theirs are if we out-scream them and out-holler them and out-argue them. By the way, the word arguments are, are not a bad thing. That's what they do in a courtroom. They have an argument. They're not up there screaming at each other, but they're making their points. And, and it's more difficult to make a point the louder you get. It doesn't, just because you're louder than they are doesn't mean that you win the contest. It may be that way uh, at, at the ball game and they may have these sound meters and, you know, whichever side can holler the loudest, but that's not that way in the home. Are you with me? What about this one? Unrealistic threats. I'm going to beat the daylights out of you. No, you're not. Not get away with it if I know about it. Not to beat the daylights out of you. Oh, what about this one? Unrealistic threats. Uh, if, if, you don't, if you don't start behaving, I'm just going to send you away. 
And you threaten them with boarding school and children's homes and, uh, you know, to a family member somewhere. Unrealistic threats. Unrealistic. And you see, these things, children are smarter than we give them credit for. And even ones who've not, they've not gone to school one day and they don't know anything about phonics and they don't know anything about those syllables and they don't know anything about putting word structures together and, and they can barely make a sentence. But they know when they're getting the advantage, they can feel it. And they watch these things taking place and they know where, they know where the pop-off valve is. They know how much pressure to put on. And I'm not talking about when they're 10 years old or 13 years old. I'm talking about when they're three years old. Three years old. I like this one. Count to 10. One, two, and with each one of them, we go up an octave. Three. You say, well, it worked for Brother Jurgen at Impact. He only has your kids four nights out of the year. You've got them all year long. Some popular methods. You may have some that you could add to my list if you would. I'd appreciate it. Some things that you've tried. And uh, my dad didn't count to ten. My, my dad didn't take time out. Had four children. None of us ever spent one day in jail. He, he never threatened. My dad didn't scream out. It was, also, it was always kind of annoying that he was so calm when it came to this matter of uh, discipline. Now, uh, I had two older sisters and an older brother I didn't, they, they said I was a baby is the reason I didn't get very many paddlings, the reason I didn't get very many whoopings, whoopings with a U, didn't get many whoopings, is because I watched those three get them. And I'm thinking, hmm, I, hmm, I don't think I want that. That's the reason I didn't get as many as they did, not because I was a baby. My dad had a look. He just... And it spoke volumes. It said everything that needed. My, my dad was a, a looker at you. He'd just look at you and you just kind of. <laughs> my mama was a pincher. P-I-N-C-H-E. She'd grab a hold of you, and she'd say, I'm going to pinch a plug out of you unrealistic threats, but it would feel like a plug was coming out. <laughs> now, I don't recommend that one. I don't recommend that one really hurts. Let's move on. Take away something from them. I'm going to take your phone away. I'm going to take your TV away for three nights. I'm not going to let you play ball. Well, now, some of these things, I, I've watched parents, and I've, I've been around for a little while, and I've watched, a lot, uh, and I've watched parents, and, and they'd send a note, Johnny, or whatever the name was, you know, he's, he's, not been, he's not been behaving, and so I'm not letting him play ball tonight. And so now, they're not just punishing Johnny, they're punishing the whole ball team and everything. And... Uh, and, and there may be a right time to do something like that. You'll have, to, you'll have to make up your own mind on that. But just to take things away, there's, there's another approach. You're in bad shape if you've made it to there to where you're having to do these kind of things. You've got a lot of ground to make up. You've, you've already lost the battle. You're going to have to try to win a few uh, of the battles to even get back in the war. If you're to the place that you've got to do these unrealistic popular things. Let's look at what some proven methods. Consistency. If my dad said no on Monday morning, it was still no Friday night. Matter of fact, you didn't. Dad, can I? And I appreciate that now. 
I didn't appreciate it at the time, but I appreciate it now. I, I dearly appreciate now there are some things that my daddy didn't let me do because he was smarter than I was. Consistency. Here's another one, communication. You know, I, I think that there's something reasonable about explaining. I remember one time Marie was in trouble about something. I don't remember even what it was. I never caught her telling a lie, but it was something to do with the truth. I don't remember what it was, but I remember it was something to do with. And so the, uh, the, uh, the conversation was about that you, Marie, you just tell the truth. Just tell the truth, Marie. Just tell the truth. And she's just a little bitty thing. You've got to tell the truth. What really happened? You've got to tell the truth. And she's a little, and she said, but I don't know what the quoof is. I don't know what the quoof is. Sometimes it's the lack of communication that lets these things escalate and go on and on and on and on. Consideration. They're just little people. They're little people. And they are people, by the way, but they're little people. And, and, and sometimes, uh, I used to, up until about, I don't know, 15 years ago, we used to paddle around here. And the last, I think the last person that I paddled was my son-in-law, Andy. I paddled him when he was in high school. And I think that's what, I've still got a paddle over there at my desk. We don't use it. It's just for, it's just a keepsake. We've still got the original piano that the church had. Still got the paddle that we had. And two or three of those things around here. Used to paddle, and uh, I made up my mind one day: if that's the problem, then they're in the wrong place. You know, that's mom and daddy. You know, and that that's uh, that's not my problem. And uh, but uh, can you imagine the last the last paddling I got in high school was the last week of high school, and I wasn't doing anything wrong, but I got pulled into the office with somebody that was doing something wrong. And the principal took me and the other guy with one hand, slung both of us over his desk. Somehow he reached over and he got the paddle out and he went pow, 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 five, pow, 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 five. And then here's what he asked me. He said, and he went to high school with my mother. And so here's what he asked me. He said, you want me to call Nina or Duell? I think he called her Duell. I said, no, thank you. Let's leave it like it is. Leave it like it is. Communication. Consideration. What about this one? Certainty. I, I, I'm looking, I'm thinking of the word firm. Now we're getting somewhere. And I can show you all this in the scripture, and I hope we have time to do it in the next 10 minutes. Certainty. A child needs to see that in mom and dad. They, they need to see the love, but they need to see the firmness because that's the way God... And let me throw this one in here. Never, never discipline your children in front of people. That's a no, no, no. Never gank them around in front of people. Never, never, never in, in front of their their friends and, and their schoolmates are uh, never, never. H how would you feel if God did that to you? Right here in front of everybody this morning. God just yanked you up and gave you a good whooping over. Now, he will. He will chastise his children. <clears throat> and it may come out in front of people. But God will privately... And you'll get a lot further along with it if you do it God's way. Let me say this. Here's, the, here's, the, here's another one. Chastisement. That's the one we want to think about. Here's the rules. A full heart, a fair mind, and a firm hand. A full heart, a fair mind. You don't go to prison for running a stop sign most often. And so it's not always necessary that with the minor infractions and... Uh, 
And it's necessary for us to go to Hebrews very quickly. Hebrews, and we don't have these verses on the screen. Hebrews 11. Let me just give you this. I've got to give you this or that, or that won't make any sense. Here's uh, Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. Here's God's discipline program for his children. Verse number 5. And ye have forgotten the, here it is, exhortation. That's the communication. The exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise thou not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou rebuked. The word rebuke and chasten. All kind of words down through here. I'll give you their meaning in a moment. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Two, another word, scourgeth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the, Lord, whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, where are all our partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which, here's another word, corrected us. You see, there's a whole lot to this. And we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? That's, that's scary. For they verily, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit. He don't want to hurt your stake. He just doesn't want it to fall on the floor again. For their profit, for our profit rather, that we might be partakers of his holiness. The idea in training our children is that we might make them what they need to be for the glory of the Lord. Not that we can run victory laps around the church and say, hey, my child is better than yours. Now no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous. Who can say amen to that? <laughs> but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now the word exhortation is found in verse number 5. It means to encourage, to instruct by example. The word rebuke is found in verse number 5. It means to tell the fault convincingly. The word corrected is found in verse number 9. It means to turn, to guide, and to push. I'm giving you these in a hurry. The word chastened, a different word, is found in verse number 10. It means to labor and work with. The word chasteneth, yet another dimension of the word chastisement, is found in verse 6 and verse number 7. It's the same, but it means to be instructed as though a disciple. The word chastening, ending with I-N-G, is found in verse 5 and verse 7 and verse 11. It means to be disciplined. The word chastisement is found in verse number 8, and it's a combination of all the above. And then finally, you get to verse number 6. It is the word scourgeth, and it means to whip. Literally means to flog. And so God's got all of these. He starts with the exhortation and the correction, and he does all of these things, and those are the steps that we should learn to take. And that's why we come up with this thought of Chastisement. Now, don't fall into this uh, uh, this these modern day. Uh, many of you are my age, and you remember the days of Doctor Spock, and and how that um, he uh, encouraged millions of people, you know, not to spank their children, all those kind of things, and. Uh, that's neither here nor there, but it kind of started uh, this snowballing effect uh, that we've seen over the last few years. And then they've, they've come up, and I'm not a doctor. I'm not your family doctor. Uh, I'm, it says Dr. Steve Ward on the screen, but it's, 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 it's in ministry. It has nothing to do with medicine, and so I'm not. But be very, very careful when your children are diagnosed with things like ADHD. Be very, very careful. It's become, out of the 73 million children in America today, over 10% of them are diagnosed ADHD. 
That is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Many, are, many of our young kids that maybe otherwise could be trained and taught if they were cared for and loved and, and would not have to go on these horrible, awful drugs. Horrible, awful drugs. But I'm not your doctor. But I'd sure think that thing over. Have you ever looked at the ten, the criteria of the ten things to define if someone is ADHD? I'll, I'll, I'm going to read them to you. I didn't put them on the screen. I'll read them to you. I'll read the ten of them to you. And everybody I went to school with, I went, went I was in school with Brother Ronnie and Jamie, Brother Jamie, and Brother Lamar in school, same time as Brother Wayne Montgomery. He was at the other school. We were all at Lowndes. He was at the other school. All, all these guys, every one of them are ADHD. Every one of them are. They need to, they should have been on, now they have adult ADHD. They need to get medication for it. Listen to this. Here's a list. Daydreaming. Forgetfulness. I need them on the screen, but we don't, I'll get them for you. Difficulty organizing task. Hey, the kid is five years old. Does not pay attention. All five of these guys, they're not paying attention right now. There needs to be ADHD for churchgoers. They daydream, they forget, they're difficult in organizing tasks. They do not pay attention. Here's the fifth one. Squirming and fidgety. I guarantee you the pew that Stephen is sitting on, it's shaking right now just like this. I can't sit on the same pew with Stephen. It's just like this. His, his legs, just, he'll be over here playing the bass, and he's in 4-4 he's in four, four or whatever, and, and his knee is going 8-8. Eight, eight. I mean, it's just, just be careful. Can't stay seated. Number seven, difficulty getting along. Well, that's Baptist for you. Doesn't think about the consequences. I mean, this five-year-old needs to be medicated. Doesn't think about it. Talks excessively. And listen to this one, number 10. Now these, these, this is real. Difficulty resisting temptation. Hmm. How could it be? How could it be? Train up a child. Train up a child. I'm not trying to hurt your steak. I'm just trying to keep it from falling on the floor again. Number two, how can I train my children without tearing them down? Number one, bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. How can I train my children up without tearing them down? Let me give you this and we'll be done. Give me five minutes. In the nurture and the admonition, the word nurture means to feed them and protect them. That's a, that's a, that's a father's responsibility. That's a mother's responsibility. The word admonition means to counsel, advise, caution, give reproof, gentle reproof. Understand that children are uniquely made by God. They're like fingerprints. Every one of you, if you have four, they're going to be different. Never compare children one to another. How can I train them up without tearing them down? Never compare children one to another. Number four, always acknowledge their achievements. Always. They didn't have to be the state football champion. They might have played a horn in the band. But their achievements should always be acknowledged. They might not have 
one hit the three-pointer at the buzzer, they might have been second string, but you always acknowledge their achievements. I wish I had time for all this. We may come back to it later. I could give you example after example after example after example. Children are not all the same. Always acknowledge their achievements and address some of their failures. Here's a big one, never show favoritism. They're going to think you did. My girls, they think that we, Tracy thinks we favor Marie. Marie thinks that we favor Tracy. And, you know, that's just the way kids think. If you have four, you've got four problems. If you have five, you've got five problems. If you have two, you have two problems. They always, but never show favoritism. Because they're different. They're different. Our two girls, there is, as much as they are alike, there are so many ways that they are very different. Very different. Their talents and all that run evenly and equally. Here, here's something both of them were the same at, wrecking cars. Look at that. Driving was quite an experience. I remember we were going down the road one day, down Lot Laura Road. That's for, that was a long time ago. And Tracy was training to get her, her uh, driver's license. She had to learn for a minute. She was getting ready to go for the test. So we just riding down the road, and there's this guy. He's riding a bicycle on the side of the road. And I said, now, as you approach him, be careful, slow down a little bit, move over, and maybe toot the horn to let him know that you're coming up behind him. She got about 20 yards behind him and went, Bah! He went <laughs> off the highway into the ditch. I should have got you a, I should, I should have put a, a picture of the 1965 2 plus 2 fastback Mustang that I built for my two daughters to drive to high school. And uh, I can tell you, everything, they drove it about six or seven years between the two of them. And I replaced every body part but the roof and the right door <laughs> on that car. Tracy come flying in the yard, and it had been raining. Stephen had already moved here, and he had him a brand-new 1998 Ford Ranger. And Tracy comes flying in the yard in the Mustang, and the grass is wet, and she hits the brakes, and it speeds up. Boom, $7,000 worth of damage in the yard. But Marie topped her off. I got a phone call one night, said, Daddy, you got to come down here. Where you at? At the Minute Market. What's wrong? I ran over a guy. <laughs> she said, but I couldn't see him because Jody Allen was sitting on the hood of my Mustang. <laughs> Another time, she went to the other Minute Market this way. I got a call. She said, Daddy, you better come down here. And she, she said, I've, I've, uh, I've had a wreck. And uh, the insurance company, I'd been with them 17 years, and they sent me a letter, and they said, uh, we can insure Tracy, we can insure Debbie, and we can insure Steve, but we can't insure Marie anymore. <laughs> and they took her, they canceled my policy after 17 years. She's sitting there waiting, and these bunch of, bunch of guys in a, in, a, in a Mercury Marauder station wagon, the heaviest thing you can buy. It was raining, and she stopped to make a left turn, and they plowed right into the back of same car. Whole rear half of it had to be. So they're alike in some ways. But they're different in so many ways. And you've got to understand that. Always acknowledge their achievements. Never show favoritism. How can I train my children for God and not lose them to Satan? Number one, be godly. What's the key? Be godly. You've got to live a godly life. You, get, you can't have one life at church and a different life at home and a different life at play. If you want to raise them for God and not for Satan, it starts with living godly. You don't have to be a, a nun or a pope or a monk, but live godly. Be consistent. 
Be consistent. I've thought these things over, ladies and gentlemen. Be consistent. Don't be in church one month and out of church the next month. Don't have standards here and then, then no standards there. Don't require things out of your kids that you wouldn't do yet yourself. Be consistent. Be balanced. Have a family life. I, I probably... God called me to pastor. He didn't call me to be in evangelism. He called me to pastor, and I learned that early on. I, I, and I, I know God calls different people to different ministries, but I'm so glad that he just let me spend time with my family. I'm so glad. I think in all the years they played basketball, I think I maybe missed one or two or three games. Usually I was driving the bus to the game. I was in a... prison revival out in Mississippi and uh, missed some games that week. Be consistent. Be balanced. Church is important. Home is important. And work is important. And you've got to navigate around those three. You've got to, you've got to spend time, but you can't, you've got to have all three of those elements. All three of those elements. Be available. Somebody's going to give them attention. Somebody's going to answer their questions. Somebody's going to give them advice. And it needs to be you. Be available. Uh, not, not now. I, I, I'm busy. I'm busy. You know, I got something I got to do. Be available. Be praying. Be a father. Be a dad. Be a friend. I like that. I'm glad my father was my father, but there was times he was just my daddy. And there were times he was my best friend. If you're a mother, then be a mother, be a mom, but be a friend. Conclusion is this. You can do all these things, and you're just getting started. There's so much. Stand with us for prayer. Father, we thank you for the day. Lord, I know that we heard, hurried and rushed through these very important uh, items. Lord, but may we get the, the gist of the message nonetheless. Lord, give us something to work with. These dear, precious parents, Lord, I pray for them. Pray that you might give strength and help, guiding, directing, instructing. Because it's important that we train up a child. While these are praying, an opportunity to come, whatever your need is.